<laughs> Do you have an intro lyric? Yes, it's a call and response. Hmm. So I'm going to say something, and, and then you are going to say... Tangerine. It sounds yes. like you're not going to preface, which is concerning, but also it's kind I'm of exciting. I'm trying to fucking do it, oh, man! Yeah. <laughs> All you got to say is 45. 45. Oh. Oh, I know which one it is. Radio. 45. <laughs> so yeah, great, good, good. <laughs> I Ooh, that was more to it. Same, yeah. Try yeah. again. Yep. Okay. All India Radio. 45. 45. Two and ones. 45. 45. Argo Records. 45. 45. Trojan Records. 45. 45. We are hottest one hundreds and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast on the... 45. In which we talk about the songs that have been hot enough to be in the Triple J hottest 45. My name is David James Young. I'm one of the 45 voices you're going to be hearing for the next 45 minutes or so. Joining me once again, it's. <laughs> you paused! I was. Pavlov's dog! Pavlov's dog! 45. Adam Buncher. 40 high. <laughs> there we go. Nathan Harrison. 40 high. Andrew McDonald. 50 high. Whoa! <laughs> you guys, small brain, expanded brain. Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, holy shit, we are talking about the hottest 45. Mm. Like we oh, wow. It actually, yeah. Yeah. This has been set up so wonderfully. <laughs> this is a good podcast. <laughs> it's it's mm. a great podcast. It very is, well it scripted. Is very so professional. Um, I, uh, I, I haven't done this yet because it would be fucking foolish but I, I, I can show you how professional I am as a person I have considered getting drunk before recording one of these to see if it would be funny or not but, I, I thought about that too but we record them in the morning so that's, <laughs> let's do that on the same day can you guys just come here fucked up that, and that, like well, I'll just yeah, be me I'll just be me normally because Andrew drinking in the morning by yourself bad expanded brain <laughs> drinking in the morning with <laughs> someone <real>. else party <laughs> I saw a show uh, years ago called Shitface Shakespeare where they did Midsummer Night's Dream but every night a different cast member would get very drunk before the show like too drunk yeah too drunk <laughs> there, like there was vomiting and there was them oh. just leaving the stage in various scenes very funny and it was yeah. in a fringe show and that's like obviously perfect fringe show fodder like that, it just sold out like yeah, straight of away. It's so yeah. good. I'm well so we'll do that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. sorry, sorry, one week, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, coming in at number 45. Hell yeah, it's the motherfucking cure with wrong number. And that wrong number is 45. 46. What a good intro. <laughs> we had it all. Before I had the best play plans, it's out of a 
the motherfucking cure. Thank you, all the same. Back yet again in one of the most inexplicable reigns in the history of the Hottest 100. Well, that's not that mad the cure in front of me. <laughs> we have had a lot to talk about with the yes, cure. Yes, it is. Because More we, are going through, we are going through their least popular era. And like every time I'm like, one. this is going to be the last one. Yeah. This is going to be the last time they're here. Like, we start with, like, one of their biggest hits, Friday I'm In Love, and we've worked our way up year by year to wrong number, which, by the way, came in at number... 45. 45. <laughs> you guys hate this. I'm so into it. Was this on Blood Flowers? No, this, this is, is for, uh, it's from the Galore single soundtrack. Okay, though. this is where Deej and I stopped talking for a while <laughs> because the Cure fans have logged the They have on. logged the fuck on. Yeah, this, on. Like, like all tracks that are exclusive to compilations and best-ofs, Never one of the best tracks of a band when a band includes a new single and a best of. The exception, of course, being The Cure's Cut Here, one of their best songs from Greatest Hits 2001. Oh, but and this... of course, The Foo Fighters with Wheels. I yeah. would argue uh, You Know You're Right by Nirvana is pretty good. Yeah, true. It's, it yeah, is pretty yeah, decent. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting song because it's clearly Rob trying to write what is still definitely a Cure song in the context of like 90s electronic rock. Still got like the, the Cure trademarks of like, like the kind of some shimmering guitar, Rob's vocals undeniably great and everything lyrics that kind of have like abstract alienation going through them all um there was a period here where there's a few different cure songs where rob was writing songs that were kind of reflecting like american alienation from a brit's point of view that there's a bunch of that on wild mood swings i don't know if people in this room are going to love this song i really like this song just because i'm a massive tragic for the cure and this was on the first cure compilation i had which was just the greatest hit so i listened to that a lot and i really loved it and i love this song the line before the the break where he has the um is there room in your life for one more trip to the moon is particularly beautiful being a callback to their classic song love song from 1989 which was written as a wedding gift to his then fiance now wife where he says fly me to the moon and then like years later he's like is there room in your life for one more trip to the moon to this person he's been married to for a number of years it's very beautiful to me because i'm a fucking loser for the cure um <laughs> please tell me what people think of this song i'm very interested to hear i love this song yeah great i do often wonder particularly with this song and a few other ones because when i was into the cure i was into like bands very intensely for quite a while yeah. and i feel like i would move through albums and and compilations and like particular songs intensely almost in the order of of the album or whatever like it would just you know be like oh this is my favorite song and a week later i'm like now i'm really into the song immediately after it kind of thing because huh. i guess that's how i did music at the time well, it's so, how you can see music as a teenager yeah yeah exactly and i think the first time i heard wrong number i probably wasn't super into it i definitely wasn't into it to begin with yeah because it, it doesn't sound like much like any other cure song no but it like it grew on me hugely like i really love this song like yeah. i love that structurally it's a cure song but yeah it's playing with all these other sounds you know i i love the kind of quite cold electronica sounds like in a start and then you get that really warm flourish of piano before it moves into new sections i think i really really like that mm. the lyrics are kind of typically simple particularly in the verses like the you know red and gold and all the color stuff so i get a lot out of it and it's a kind of especially the chorus is so like big and fun and yeah. energetic and that's not something that the cure do in that way very often at yeah. all i thought when there's the guitar solo that's really soaring that yeah. it's really bright and it's really lovely yeah. yeah so i kind of appreciate it as a, a cure way of of getting to this type of song that i'm sure like many other bands do as well and potentially do yeah. a lot better but because i love the cure so much i love that type of song living in this world like in this instance so yeah, yeah i know i, I love it but what do you guys think? Adam, what Adam? do you think? Because you're the you're like the least cure fan of you're all. You're the most like, sick. Not that not that you are <laughs> you're the most You've had sick. the least cure. I like cure songs. I do not like this cure song. Okay. This is not the cure song yeah, great. That, I'm really, I, that I'm, I enjoy. I just found it really irritating. Yeah, right. Just, had you heard it before? Everything about it. No. Yeah, right. I never, yeah, I wouldn't heard it expect before. so. Yeah. yeah. Nothing about it really worked for me. Although I did really, really enjoy that this is one of the few songs we have where there's an absolute roll credits moment yeah sorry wrong wrong credits yeah yeah look to camera yeah yeah yeah. it was big it's big time look to camera so i just didn't yeah i'm I'm honestly not super surprised the beats of it are so not curie i mean like actual rhythm not just like the song like the moments yeah the actual rhythm is not really curie and also uh, i was looking at the credits for this song just in preparation for this it was actually um it's just rob simon gallup on bass and uh reeves gabrell's 
who wasn't actually a member of the band at the time. Right. He's a guitarist who played with Bowie, who actually joined The Cure as a proper member maybe four years ago. Okay. Um, but he worked with Bowie during the Tin Machine up through the 90s when Bowie was doing a lot of the obvious electronic beat stuff. Mm. And I wonder if he's influenced with this because the, the electronic beaty nature of the song is super not something that Cure do ever really mm, yeah. apart from on like the the remix record. Yeah. They don't really do this kind of song. Oh, and that fucking Judge Dredd song. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the this, banger because this sounds a bit like a soundtrack song, right? Like it's for, for the mm. Cure, I mean, like at the very least, you can tell it's not on a Cure album. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a Cure song. It's in the '90s and it's in the Hottest 100. I would assume it was part of a soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just by precedent. Yeah, mm. and like Hottest 100 listeners do not get a good imagine- idea of what the Cure is as a band. <laughs> Fully, I was just thinking that. Like, imagine if this was the one of the only times that you heard the Cure. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you only digested the Cure from Hottest 100. And that was the only way you'd ever heard The Cure. You would not know what The like, Cure sounded like. Oh, they did like. that great Friday I'm In Love song, and then they just got really weird. A bunch of cool industrial numbers. Really weird for that mainstream pop band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But David, do you have a love for this song? Or? Uh, not a love. Uh, I, I like it. Like It's kind of funny to kind of picture the band at this juncture mm. you know like as we've we've talked about bands that you know were big in the 80s and were still doing shit in the 90s trying to like keep up with the times and be like oh well how, how do we how do we navigate this how do we respond to this you know that's my best robert smith impression this is fun like that hook is super catchy and it's kind of funny to imagine robert smith having a little groove around to that you know super electronic like disco-y kind of beat I don't think this is anyone's favourite Cure song yeah. by a considerable... It really should not but, be. Yeah. But, you know, I, I see the merit to it, and uh, it has been really, really fun trying to find new things to discuss when it comes to the Cure and being like, what the fuck were they doing? You know, it's just like the Judge Dredd song and, like, what was the other shit? The one from The Crow. Oh, the one from The Fucking Crow. That one was good. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's I thought that there would be more dislike for this song around. I actually went looking for it amongst Cure fans on, mm. online. Like, I was Googling wrong number is the worst Cure song. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find... I'm just imagining you, like, signing up to a Cure forum with, like, a fake name and being like, oh, I love the Cure. How much does this song suck, though, right, everyone? And <laughs> refresh, just, refresh, 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 yeah, refresh. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> but there wasn't as much hatred around as I thought, which makes me, I don't know, because I really didn't think this... I thought this was pretty bad. Fair. Pretty bad. That's fair. Oh, like oh, I said, I, so, I certainly dismissed it the, when I first came across it. Well, maybe I'm just in that phase. Yeah, I can see why there wouldn't be love for this song. I like it because I know I had like fucking, I don't know, 16 years to enjoy it heaps. Yeah. Like, so, there's only so, many to- so much that I'm not going to... A little bit yeah. of time. Yeah. A little bit of time. Coming in at number 44, this is the Tea Party with Drum I believe that's how it's pronounced.
I believe that's in a certain dialect. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's a couple of different things that come up on Google Translate, so I'm, you know, just just working my way around it. It comes up as like, "Are you listening to a tea party song?" <laughs> <laughs> How could you tell? <laughs> yeah, so I have not listened to a single tea party song since we last talked about them, uh, season three, episode seven. Holy shit! What song was that? I can't even remember. <laughs> well, you remember the episode. Well, I looked it up. You probably just remembered it perfectly naturally, you big nerd. <laughs> I remember numbers, not words. <laughs> if you had like a really dorky like rap, like, I remember numbers, not words. That's why I'm a massive nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> that was tight. Fire in the head was the last yeah. time we talked about this. I don't I, even I, remember anyway, that, that, song, that was okay. a, a bit... Like culturally appropriative, yeah. Wasn't oh, there like some dorky sitar in there yeah, or something? Yeah, probably. Well, this one has uh, a, an interesting instrument as well. Um, if, to quote Wikipedia, "Temptation" is a standard three-piece rock song with keyboard accompaniment and an introduction composed of tar, lute, and a sped-up sample of Led Zeppelin's "When the Levee Breaks." That's about as passionate as I can get about this song, too. Wikipedia. It's I get like it's got a good beat, like as a rock song. Like I just I just don't care about the same. It's, it sounds so nineties with its beat as well, though. It's like like they're good at that. Yeah, but is that something anyone should be striving for? Mm. Well, you guys are way too chilled out about this song. This is diggity dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like we do not be chill about this song being bad <laughs> because seriously. This is really, this is really bad. This is a really bad song. Shaking as your sex takes hold is one of the first. <laughs> this song is like Creed if Creed were just hell bent to let you know how much they fuck. Horny Creed. Horny Creed. Horny Creed. Horny Creed. This song, this song wears leather pants and touches you on the waist and you tell it to stop and it doesn't. <laughs> This song is like your creepy uncle who says things at the dinner table and it's just like, why are you talking about that? You, 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 we're glad, glad that you found love again, but please stop saying these things. There are children around. I hate it so much I love it. Like That's where it goes. Case in point, the way he says illusion. <laughs> it's got an illusion, Michael. <laughs> Great like Arrested Development tie-in there but also that is the only time where this song would be appropriate if you were like a ba- Job. a bargain basement David Blaine wannabe you had your you had your sexy assistant up there scantily clad and you're gonna you're about to cut her in half and expect everyone to be really amazed by that and you're doing like the real like the sexy dance in the wood <laughs> it's such a horny shit magic show that's it it's a this song is a horny shit magic show I am. Um, I, I I thought uh, this was crap, and not only as bad as you. Like, oh, it's, I, think, I, I think this at least sounds like them as a band. Like I can tell what they are as a band here. I at can least. too. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, and like I I hadn't gotten sexual predator vibes from it. But yeah, it's it's, it's this song is a bit of a sex pest. But worse than that, like because it starts with the sexiness or whatever. And what even are you trying to say about sex? In actually, like because the lyrics make no sense. Because he's born But then the bridge comes in and he starts talking about philosophy. He's like, we live. In a world, it's like you're you're in the middle of fucking man. Yeah, yeah well, that's like fine. You just take a minute, man. As, like, you, yeah. as, if, as if you can't see some fuckwit dude at like a party, <laughs> say like doing that. You know that that, that like predatory dude thing where they put the the hand behind, oh, on the wall, which is disgusting. And uh, if you see someone doing that, I implore you to murder them. To- that bullshit move that people pull, <laughs> where they talk about trying to get all deep as a way to get somebody offside so you can give them unfulfilling sex. And now that I think about it, I think this song sucks yeah. hard as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's yeah. really bad. Yeah. I think I just didn't want to engage with it at all, but now other people are. Now you think about it. it. Yeah. it sucks, right? Yeah. It does so bad. Yeah. This is a bad song. Yeah. Dare we say it? Let's wait. Let's wait. Not right, yet. Right, and right, let's right. wait and it, it, let's see if we can close the loop later on. Let's wait and see. Oh, no, I, I meant the, 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 the this, free word. Oh, this song sucks. No, no, no. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, our famous catchphrase. This song sucks. This song sucks. I forgot. That we, oh, <laughs> yeah. The famous catchphrase we all love. I don't like this song very much, <laughs> but in three words. Joined once again by our good friend Michael McDonald. <laughs> See, this is the thing. Like deep cut listeners of the podcast would understand what we're talking about because this is a very season one <laughs> thing. Apparently, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to find out where the rest of the, you know Deej. Where are you? Yeah. For all you know, Adam, you've been trashing Deej's favorite song of all time. 
You absolutely have. Yeah, this is a monster pace. <laughs> it just went to mute that. me. <laughs> Imagine putting your arm up against the wall and telling someone at a party that this song is a masterpiece. Have you listened to the Tea Party? <laughs> yeah, obviously this is fucking hilariously Good. bad. Good. Like, I'm fascinated by how horny Jeff Martin is. Do you reckon he fucks with his necklaces on? Absolutely. Yeah, like he's got like a Jesus piece and he's got like a little chakra kind of thing. You know what? I reckon keeps the vest on too. Keeps the vest Mm. on. Not buttoned up. No. Unbuttoned vest. Loose, yeah. Jim Morrison style. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, Jim Morrison style. Gonna have to do this shit Jim Morrison style. Yeah. (laughs) If there's one thing he does, it's Jim Morrison style. Mm. (laughs) You know what? You know the connection I've always made? When Jack Black sings... He sounds like what Jeff Martin is seriously trying to do. Oh my mm. god, yes! Yeah. Somewhere deep. Yes, yeah. he does. It's like Reef and Adam oh, Sandler. Reef- oh. It's Reef and Adam Sandler. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Jack Black and Jeff Martin. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a bad song for bad people. Yeah! <laughs> Which is YouTube- why I'm so into it. <laughs> YouTube comment, I liked this song better when it was called Army of Me by Bjork and came out two years earlier. No one wins in that comment. <laughs> what are you wow. doing? This I... doesn't sound like I'm here. Oh, and now you've yeah. dragged Bjork. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's the, what's that YouTube comment's name, Nathan? Drag them. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> at- yeah, they're dragging themselves here. The werewolf Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine oh. calling yourself the werewolf Jesus and dicking on this song. <laughs> Where do you think you fit in? <laughs> like. I think we've earned the right to throw back to our classic season one catchphrase. Shall we? I think we should. All right. Three, two, one. 45! Oh. <laughs> Fuck this 45. song. Fuck this song. Fuck this song. Fuck this song. Number 43, this is Ammonia with You're Not the Only One Who Feels This Way. Cuts like pins and the only one who feels this way Andrew are you the 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 only no I can get this are you the only one who has ever thought to go so far as to feel uh, ammonia last time we spoke about them was the uh, surprisingly much loved drugs Despite yep. the song title, we all actually got down with that quite a lot. It was yeah, that's a good track. Charming and endearing. Yeah. Forever like associated Season to us three. as a podcast because that was the... When uh, Nathan and I went in to talk about our podcast on Triple J, they asked us to bring in a bit of a deep cut. And mm. we, we chose ammonia. We chose drugs. Yes. So we chose drugs. We chose, <laughs> we chose drugs. And it was a damn good tune. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad we all liked that. And nice of, the, uh, of Triple J to have us in as well, to shout <laughs> us out. She'll probably return the favour. Um, don't know, listeners, if you've ever heard of Triple J, the radio station. They do some pretty good work. Worth yeah. it. Worth Listen. But they actually do a, a countdown every year that's based <laughs> off this podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hundreds and thousands and ten thousands. <laughs> <laughs> what if, you know, it wasn't just songs from the 90s, but songs from this year? Yeah. And it's what very if cute. And these guys didn't talk. Yeah. <laughs> but this song, I was really hoping it was going to be as good as drugs. Also, the song drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but. This just doesn't, doesn't wow me as much. I don't know. They they sound a bit morose and they're enjoying themselves less. I'm okay with morose rock. 
I'm okay um, with people not enjoying themselves. Yeah, it's very much my bread and butter. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But I, 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 I want my sad bands leaning into it, and this this sounds like it's meant to be a B song or something. I don't know. I, I was really hoping there was going to be that kind of vibe that their drug song had, which is that kind of like. Yeah, man, leaning into this with the beers and it's nice. And this, I don't know, I really, I thought this was a really quite a generic song. It just didn't click with me at all. This is the first one I've in a long time that I've just really been not impressed or angry by. I was like, mm. this is, I, I could absolutely take or leave this song. I was let down. I was like, I'm, I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. Ooh. The worst mm. thing a parent can say. Yeah, I, like, words. I like it a bit more than that. Yeah. I, I, I agree, though. Drugs was such a fun discovery. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also really. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's sad that this isn't the same thing. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it. I mean, it kind of still has the same sort of like the simple structure. There's easy lyrics. And I think there's a nice guitar tone in there as well. Mm. Yeah. The guitar Which tone. Is what I lot. want. Yeah. yeah. It just doesn't have the same charm of, of that first single. I don't begrudge them not being able to recreate that because it d- definitely felt like a happy accident. But this is also like a kind of weird origin story of the song because they had written the the second album or whatever. 11th Avenue? 11th Avenue. Yeah. And they'd sort of done everything. And then Dave Johnson, the, the main the main ammonia, Mr. Mm. Ammonia, um, got a call from the record company and they were like, there are no hits on this album. Like, uh. we can't do this without a hit. Can you please write one? And he had like a, nearly had a nervous breakdown. Holy shit. And oh, then, man, I feel bad for disparity. Yeah, well, no, no. And then wrote this song the next morning and then, <laughs> like, faxed the record company and it was like, I've written your fucking single, which is, like, wow. baller. There's something nice about because, like, Drugs was, you know, we talked about it being written in, like, 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah, it was a just jam a, like, session, that's right. Yeah, mm. it was just, like, a jam session. I'm like, oh, this is a cool thing. There's something, like, it's obviously not as nice a story, but I appreciate that there's also a kind of weird story yeah, about this song. If drugs wasn't in such an enjoyable tune, I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah. I wouldn't feel bad. I, I, obviously, you can't expect a band to write the same fucking hit again and again. No. They're not ACDC. But what I do think this song is emblematic of quite well is it's just it really is just kind of like a more poppy Nirvana. And in that way, I think it embodies, you know, post-grunge in a really kind of cool way or like where rock picked up from grunge. Mm. I think it does that. You can see the working of it really clearly there. I think that's pretty cool. And also, you know, like it's so obvious to see this band as being a band that was on a similar kind of vibe to a lot of other modern Australian bands like your um, your Violent Sohos and whatnot. I think there's mm. a lineage there. Yeah. David, if you love this song, you'll be the only one who feels that way. Do you? Uh, no. Ah. <laughs> it's nice. I like, you know, I like the like the little guitar melody there. That's mm. quite that's quite sweet. It's and nice, isn't it? Yeah. It's perfectly pleasant. This is no one's favourite song by no one's favourite band. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the home truth and the kind of harsh reality we have to deal with in this context. No, I don't but think it's it's com- completely out of place being at number 43 in this countdown. No, I, no. Think it's, I think it earns its spot. Sure. I think yeah. it speaks as well to, like, you know, this is a band that kind of got very big very quickly. Yeah. Pretty much by accident. And yeah. that's, a, that's a weird position to be in and a struggle to kind of get something meaningful out of it or something, yes. you know, long-term or sustainable. And, and yeah, you know. for sure. Drop that shit at number 42. It is Corner Shop with Brim Full of Usher. In the 1997 Hostess 100, it's a song by a band called Corner Shop. The song is called Brim Full of Asher. I'm six, maybe seven years old. I am sitting at home watching ABC Kids, as I want to do between the hours of, let's say, 3.30 in the afternoon when I get home, and let's say six o'clock when the news starts. In that transitional period from ABC Kids ending and the news beginning, a video plays. I am captivated. I am unable to look away from this music video of this young Indian girl sitting 
on the floor of her bedroom, surrounded by vinyl singles, putting them on and dancing around her room, listening to them and like vibing and getting into it. I'm just like, oh, that's music. Like, that's a thing that people do. Right, right. okay. Huh. Oh, and they're playing instruments and this is, a, this is a song. Right, okay. I'm formulating my idea of what music is. Is this a music-defining song for you? It was. Holy Absolutely. shit, that's big. Obviously, like, I knew, the songs, audio. From, I knew the songs from Play School and I knew yeah. the songs from Sesame Street. The Wiggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this was but a I'm just song. Like, oh, yeah. like, so they make music for adults as well, I guess. And, you know, sometimes, like, people a little bit older than me listen to music. Huge. And it wasn't for years and years. I remember posting in a forum about 10 years later being like, there was this video. There was this Indian girl dancing around her room listening to records. Does anyone know this song? Huh. And someone was just like, are you talking about Brimful of Asher by Corner Shop? And I'm like, let me type that into my computer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. And because of that, I count Brimful of Asher as one of the most formative songs in my life. Yeah. I see this wow. as one of the most culturally significant songs to ever have any sort of significant impact on the charts because not only was it the first time like an Indian like pop or rock group had had a hit there are Indian immigrants like living in the yeah. UK that's where the name comes from yeah because, based on the stereotype that, yeah um, yeah yeah that you know all Indian immigrants have corner shops yeah yeah huh. yeah so the song deals with the Indian music industry yeah and like discovering pop music through the use of vinyl specifically vinyl singles there are essays about this song. This is something you could dissect for hours and hours and hours. I think this is legitimately one of the most remarkable pop songs ever created. Not just one of the best songs of the 90s, one of the best songs of all time. Every time it comes on, I will never, ever skip this song. The second I hear that Sweet Jane chord progression and... I hear those drums kick in and I hear the kind of wafty kind of keyboards and then eventually the strings will come in and that like back mask, like tape loop guitar. As everything kind of builds up in my head, it's there. Like everything comes flooding back to me. Mm. Those memories. Listening to it again as a kid, that sped up and hilariously upbeat Fatboy Slim remix. Yeah. That went global. Mm. Like this song did well, but the remix was yeah. absolutely massive. See, that's the thing. I was listening to this song going like, this sounds weirdly familiar. Yeah. So what is this about? And then I go like, wait, I know how do I know this chorus? I know for sure I've never heard this song before. I even more when it when it started in the guitar starts, I was like, well, this is a bit derivative of that 45 song, isn't it? And oh. I was like, oh, it is this song. But wait, but what do I know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. Like, oh, right. You know a remix. Fat boy. Yeah. Because I must have, whenever I've heard that Fat Boy Slim song, just never had the title within yeah, exactly. arm's length to be able to see what it actually was. Obviously, this song, like... Yeah, can we just acknowledge, Dee, that's fucking beautiful. Mm, that's huge, like, man. That's, yeah. that's so that's huge. That's magic. Yeah. yeah, honestly, like, I just have a lot of affinity with this song. Like, obviously, you know, it's indebted to the Velvet Underground and, you know, like, heaps of, you oh, know, like, no, 60s and... no one else is indebted to the Velvet <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 I'm saying, like, obviously, like, it's not the most original song, you know? Like, it's very much, you know, derived from that, but that chorus is brilliant. Like, that mm. is one of the yeah. catchiest choruses of all time and even the line as ridiculous as everybody needs a bosom for a pillow like <laughs> I, so much fun yeah, yeah right so and everyone does yeah i agree i agree wholeheartedly but then to add in mine's on the 45 you know it's just like yeah yeah some people you know have lovers some people have best friends i have music the one thing that has been a constant in my life from the ages of 4 to 27 which i currently am is music and by extension brimful of asher so here well, we are. Yeah. For, for me, I like this. Like I'm, I'm familiar with this song, obviously. Um, but hearing this now, without the like the non Fat Boy Slim remix, it's like it's like having an itch that I can't scratch, man. Like it honestly gives me fucking anxiety to hear it at this speed. Oh right, because like, I'm knowing the Fat Boy Slim version for like a decade or so, sure. I've, 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 more than that. I've been very familiar with the Fat Boy Slim remix, and I've had the like the Fatboy Slim greatest hits and it's a regular go-to for mine when I just want some chill out music or when I'm going for a jog. Um, so yeah. I know the Fatboy Slim remix really, really well. And so hearing this at a slightly different pace fucks me up. That like, just happened sure. on, like a, on a neuro level. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's just your, like your brain 
saying how the world should be. Yeah, I, on, honestly, else. listening to back to it now, it was the first time I listened to this original song start to finish in a long time. And listening to it, like, by the end, I immediately played a Fuckboy Slim remix and, like... My muscles relaxed in a way that was like I've gotten I've gotten worse massages. Like, yeah, right. yeah. Right. this was um, on Enemy's uh, fifty best remixes list. They put this at number two. Wow. Um, yeah, um, and they say um, does what truly great remixes do render you unable to enjoy the original. <laughs> and Enemy, in this moment, you are more like friend of me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. I agree very much with that sentiment. Yo, um, what was number what was one? Uh, My buddy Valentine soon as remixed by Andrew Weatherall. Here we go. What have yeah. not even heard? Oh, yes. yeah. The most iconic remix. Well, yeah. it's some things are great despite not being popular, you fucking Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> what was number three? Like all things when I say Emivet number one, I smile contentedly and close the tab. <laughs> Um, like it's a really lovely song for so many reasons yeah Deej the stuff about like the um, the Indian history of the band didn't know fucking stoked to find out lovely and Mm. um, yeah it's awesome and like Name it after like their childhood friend Asher, yeah, I think. Uh, Asher's the re- a reference to Asher Bozel. Now, she is an Indian singer who's worked on legitimately 1,000 plus Bollywood films. Yeah, yes. nice. What you have is you have the actors on stage and they're apparently singing, but they're actually miming, and then you have someone behind who's actually doing the recording. She's a playback singer. Mm. Playback singer, that's Asher in oh, almost nice. all cases. In 2011, she was officially recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the most recorded artist in music history. Wow. Very, like, iconic Indian. Most recorded artist in music music history. 1,000 films plus. What a fucking record to have. That's high. That's wild. Yeah. More than just a brimful. You got got a whole lot there. So, like, that's... King Gizzard are coming for her, though. (laughs) (laughs) Even nicer. Yeah, there's so much love about this song. And this is just my personal history being way more familiar with the Fatboy Slim remix makes it really difficult for me to enjoy this. Not for the, sure. not for any fault of the song, just because of the way I happen to have consumed the original. It's like if you had spent your entire life loving one song and then somebody played that song to you and it was done at half speed, and, like, and this is the way you enjoy the song. Just enjoy the song. That's fucking awful. And yet you yeah. can't understand why some people hate Vaporwave? Yeah, well, <laughs> some, some things are meant to be annoying. <laughs> I'm certainly more familiar with the remix, but not to that extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Great. I mean, yeah. I feel, like, I, stories, yeah so. I, I, I feel like any analysis we have, we just like seem like we're idiots next to this um, beautiful story. So I was like sleeping on this band and this song, uh, apart from the the Fatboy Slim thing, for you know the largest part. But this was big. Like these guys were big. The album when I was born for the seventh time, which was released in September of '97, that has got crazy good reviews. Rolling Stone called it one of the essential recordings of the 1990s. Later on, some of the highlights include some pretty wild collaborations, including friend of the countdown Alan Ginsberg. Oh, he yeah. features on there. <laughs> Great. Um, Yoko Ono and Paul McCartney approved a cover of Norwegian Wood in the Punjabi language. That's on the album wow. as well. And apparently like, there's like a, some disco influences on there. There's obviously this sunny kind of indie rock vibe going on there as well. Also, these guys, very interesting relationship to our friend Morrissey from the Smiths. They publicly hated him. Nice. Oh, what heroes. Nice. Uh, because, of course, because because they're not white. Especially at this time, because Morrissey was apparently flirting with a lot of skinhead imagery um, at the time when, when these guys were, were getting started. So these guys chose to show their distaste by burning pictures of Morrissey any opportunity that they would get. <laughs> Live shows, press conferences. They even uh, stood outside the office where his record label was and just burned pictures Heaps of Morrissey. Amore. And that was like before it was cool to hate yeah. on Morrissey. Because now everybody well. hates they him were well, They yeah. were well across it. Now, oh, this actually made... Trailblazers. British media were not about it at all no, because they loved Morrissey and they were just denouncing these guys. non-white people. Yeah. yeah, and they were just denouncing them as attention seekers and whatever. Of fucking hacks. You can just see that right. now. It's just kind of like, yeah, well, we see why this band was significant and why yeah. that's a problem. More reason to love them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool, cool discovery of a band and I actually have a lot of interest in going back and listening to that album um, because this song absolutely bangs. Should I do it one more time? I think I should do it one more time. Coming into number 41. This is back with Deadweight. Thank you. 
1997 Hottest 100. That's a track called Deadweight. I'm not doing it. I'm not fucking segueing and saying, Adam, you're deadweight. Because yeah, nice. you're not. You're not a burden. You fucking lift us all up. You dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers for that. Mwah. All right. So this, it's a movie soundtrack song. That's another movie soundtrack song. Mm. Taken from the movie A Life Less Ordinary, which was nominated for Best Song at the 1998 MTV Movie Awards, but it lost out to Will Smith's Men in Black, and you know what? Fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah. didn't mess with the classics. Yes, Men in Black. Yeah. yeah. On the table, pretty good song, but it ain't Men in Black. No. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Beck, do you rhyme MIBs with MIBs? <laughs> yeah. Because Willard Smith does. Yeah, this song itself was recorded in the downtime between Mutations and Odelay, and you can actually find it now on the deluxe edition of uh, Odelay. It was part of his Brazilian trilogy, um, where he's playing with a lot of... I don't know, I don't know exactly what that means. Because there's a bunch of bossing boss over on <laughs> yeah, here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he actually went on record uh, talking about this song and the Brazilian trilogy and stuff on USA Today, saying that what he's aiming for is uh, a kind of sonic melding where you can't tell the different elements that he's playing with, where it all kind of comes together. And, and I think... That's classic Beck. Right? It's like he's... Raison d'etre. Yeah. yeah. It's his whole... Yeah. Like, not only for this song, I think, you know, this is a, being a great example of that, but mm. that just let that be an artist statement for Beck in general. Totally cruisy. I like the chorus. It's just something about it, like the don't let the sun catch you crying in the way that it's delivered. Yeah. And the groove of it all, like, Beck sometimes just knows how to set up a groove and you just inhabit that. And it's just like being in some warm tropical waters. That's what this song's like. I'm sure, like, there's m- like monetary reasons to do soundtrack things like that. But yeah. like, I don't know. Like, as an artist, be- like being so confident to record a song this good and be like, no, nah, no album, it's okay. I will put it on a record because it's just, it's just so quintessentially him. Like with the like weirdly sad lyrics, the bossa nova beat, yeah. like the whitest shit hip hop vibe, and like the '90s like trip hop groove. Like this is just. So obviously a Beck song, yeah, like it's so Beck. yeah, like it's so perfect to be on a hundred playlist. It's just such a, it's just so chilled out for Beck. I love it. Yeah, this is like I've liked the song for a long time. I think it's just really lovely, not quite album standard Beck. Just a bit different, bit poppy, bit like sad still. I just yeah. love it a lot. Is it? It's like the blending of styles that Beck does so well is such a remarkable thing about him as an artist. Like let alone the fact that he does some incredibly beautiful soft acoustic things but the way he blends music in his sample delica driven right groovers is just so fascinating like because bossa nova like, i've got a bit of time for it like the classics i listen like yeah gets gilberto and that but like it's so the same idea is so so prevalent in bossa nova music right like it's always that kind of grooving is like, it's quintessentially what bossa nova music sounds like they all sound so similar, and the fact that you can turn that into something that has a kind of hip hop vibe is just really fascinating. And mm. it's something that he really stands alone as an artist and that kind of power that he has. Yeah, yeah, like this is not the best Beck song, but it sounds like Beck, and I'm always happy to hear that. So, of course, I like <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. Yeah. I think, as well, when you're talking about why you'd include it on a soundtrack and not anywhere else or whatever, I think often there'd just be like a creative process where you can't find a place to fit it. Yeah. You know, if he came up with it before Odelay came out, I think knowing what we know about Odelay, he feverishly just wrote mm. everything for that in kind of the, the the singular sessions. Like everything that went into that album wasn't a leftover. It was just composed yeah. specifically because he was trying to get away from the whole the loser The one-hit wonder. Yeah, idea, the, the one-hit yeah. wonder status and really trying to rebel against that. And I think so often like that's why... 
B-sides and deep cuts are so wonderful to find as fans. Oh, it's the best. Because it's not necessarily an indication of lack of quality. Quite the opposite. Yeah. You know, it's just that they didn't feel a place to put it contextually as yeah, artists anyway. If they're good and if they're like a, 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 not necessarily to disparage the idea of people who don't do this, but like if you're a sincere and genuine artist, the B-sides shouldn't be songs that aren't good enough. They should be songs that don't fit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for exactly. sure. Yeah. And this yeah. Is a, yeah, this is a great song. I don't think I love it as much. I think there's something about the vocals that don't quite sit right with me, but it's good. And like, yeah, like the blending of styles is just like very cool. And that very weird guitar solo. Yeah, it's like uh, to hell with your comfort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm doing this now and you're here. And I'm like, all right, I guess, I, yeah, I am here for this. Yeah, I definitely, I wouldn't go to this over many other Beck songs. No, but, but yeah. But it's good. It's good. And like, yeah, it does show his craft, particularly with styles. You can imagine him, like, leaning on a piano in, like, a crushed velvet suit, you know, with just a mic, just, you know, just cheesing it up. With everything he goes for, he just leans in, doesn't he? Like, if he does hip-hop, he just goes nuts with it. If he does funk, you just imagine him with those giant oversized sunglasses, like, slapping a bass into oblivion. And so, when it comes to, like, doing, like, a kitschy lounge homage... You just imagine him going full Burt Bacharach and just sauntering around with the mic, you know. Mm. Again, no one's favourite Beck song, but I, I think there's merit and quality to the fact that he is able to go between all of these styles and all of these genres and ideas so fluidly and fluently. So, yeah, always got time for Beck. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thanks so much for listening. I love you. I appreciate you. Bless I up. respect you. Bless up. Before we get out of here, we're picking our favourites and our least favourites in the ever-continuing story of our carryover champs and chumps. Who has... Two thumbs and a brand new champ. Dig. It's on the 45. Nice. Uh, and my least favorite, it's, it's got to be Tea Party, man. <laughs> but it, uh, you, you, is it your new chump? Nah. Still loop. Nah, yeah. nah. I can't, can't do that yeah. to the loop, man. Gentlemen. They... <gasps> I was no. On the, I was on the bus on the way over here. Yes. And I was listening to the songs in preparation for, you know, just to refresh myself. And I was feeling the rage for the Tea Party and Temptation. And I just thought, you know what? It's been a while since I actually heard Beaver Loop. It's been a while. I'm going to play Temptation and then I'm going to play Beaver Loop. Fucking awful bus ride. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bus crashed. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I hate Temptation more. Oh, oh a new jump. It's The loop has been closed. Oh, oh! I think now if we ever get to say the words new chump. Yeah. I guess that's bad, really. Like, it's it not something we're going to work on. You feel worse about something that you felt very bad about. Hey, man, it is what it is. Wow. And yeah. uh, what's your fave? You know, uh, mine was Brimful of Asher, and I might I might put it as the champ for a while as well. You reckon? Holy shit! Whoa! Whoa. A double whammy! Whoa! Whoa. I'm feeling You're crazy. I've been swept up by the winds <laughs> of change, people. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> my my favourite uh, is Beck Deadweight. My least favourite is, um, of course, Temptation. But my champ remains Danny's, and my chump remains Beaverloo. I'm afraid. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Brimful of Asher uh, fave, especially because of the DJY origin, origin story. story. Oh. But my my fave remains uh, Louis Bidet, and obviously Temptation, but not still not as bad. That's as okay. Loop. That's all right. Wow. Mm. I can't believe I really thought, I really, really we thought all bring out the that Beaverloop was going to carry through for all four of us till the end. No. Wow. I gotta I gotta go with my heart. My heart hates that song, man. That's that's wild. <laughs> I was your mind. I was looking at next week apps and I oh well, we'll wait and see. <laughs> yeah. oh, dear listener, <laughs> you will also have to wait and see. Unless you see this later on, in which case just hammer that plus fifteen till you get to the next app. Maybe it's twenty uh uh nineteen. Twenty twenty. You're 21, li- You're listening back. Hey, oh, a- any one of those three years, probably. How's it and going? It. We're all really worried. Um, so, but you're listening, so. 
Mm. Obviously, things are okay. Yeah. You've got access to podcasts. Don't worry. You've got access to podcasts. <laughs> yeah. To this one specifically. Yeah. Or you, you, someone's transcribed this podcast and you, someone's reading it out to you aloud as you sit around the charred In waste the of your house. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, things that are good, not the burning remains of your home, but other things this week. <laughs> Should we talk yeah. about those? What's What's been good for you this week, Nathan? Uh, this week? Uh, well, it's probably not like exactly this week, but I very recently finished reading um, The Town by Sean Prescott. Oh, I've been mean to pick that up. It's really good. Can I borrow um, a copy rather than funding a local artist? Yeah, I'd hate for you. <laughs> I'd hate for you to support an Australian author <laughs> on his debut author. novel yeah, uh, being published by an independent publisher. So I will lend you that copy. <laughs> it's a book about a writer traveling around. Oh, very. Yeah, well, <laughs> traveling to a town in western New South Wales, like regional New South Wales, um, because he's writing about towns in western New South Wales that are disappearing. Uh, like cool. phys- physically, like disappearing. Cool, and it's it's really great. It's like it's clever and it's weirdly sad and a bit existential, but also very funny. Uh, the town by Sean Prescott. Recommend it wholeheartedly. Wonderful. Sweet. One of my favorite bands of all time. Godspeed you, Black Emperor. Uh, the guitarist and also the lead singer of the Silverman Zion band, Ephraim Manuel Manuk. One of my favorite songwriters. His second solo record came out just a few weeks ago. The album is called Pissing Stars. It's a 45-minute record, very sad and droning, uh, but really beautiful and really tender. The first half is this really sad thing about modern ennui and fear, and the second half of the record really subverts that with some really hopeful beauty in it about togetherness and why we should, in the face of no matter how scary and horrifying life is in like capitalist society, the message of hope and togetherness and love is a really powerful one that he really channels in the music there. Yeah, it's called Pissing Stars by Ephraim Manuel Manuk, and it's my album of the year so far, I'd reckon. Oh. Mm. You mentioned uh, indie games. I did. Last episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm picking up from that. There's one I'm enjoying at the moment um, called Slay the Spire. Mm. Now, this is um, a deck-building game. Basically, it's as if you were playing a card game um, against the computer, uh, there are certain ability cards that you that you get um, as rewards, and it's all about figuring out combos on on the fly and adding certain cards to your deck, but also removing certain cards from your deck. So you have like a, a really efficient means of you know doing whatever it is that you want to do. Usually dealing damage to enemies, um, but also mm. defending or whatever. It's it's balancing those kind of things. The mechanics are super super satisfying. The design is excellent. The art's a little simplistic, yep. but like the gameplay itself and the and the depth of strategy is really great. There are a lot of um, a lot of let's plays um, and streams focusing on this game at the moment, and it's still only in early access. Yeah, right. But I'm having heaps of fun. Like, and what's the, it called again? Slay the Spire. Yeah, cool. Yeah, DJ Y. What's like good for you? This week? The new album by Hockey Dad is sick. The new DZ Death yeah. Rays album is sick. The new mm. Boat Show yeah. album is sick. Get amongst it. Australian rock and roll is bitching right now. Shove them all up your jacksy and tell them DJY sent you. Thank you very much, right. DJY. <laughs> if uh, something's been good for you this week, this recent time, this day, please let us know, be it in an at, at Hustle100s on Twitter, comment on the Facebook thing, or our preferred method of contact, iTunes a reviews. Five-star <laughs> review. Five-star review on iTunes. <laughs> okay, cracking into the top 40 next time. But until next time, on behalf of Miss Andrew McDonald. Good night. Miss Adam Butcher. Illusion. Nathan Harrison. You can tell how much you hate it. <laughs> My name's David James Young, 45!